Amen. Looking forward to a new series. So we were we've been in Genesis to Revelation for the start of this year. And now we're, you know, we had, of course, our great celebration for Easter on the resurrection. So we're starting something new today. Uh, we're going to look at a new series called Members of One Body. Members of One Body. And really what it is, is our membership class kind of put into a sermon series. Okay, So um, some of you guys here have been members of this church since its founding in 1765. No, not quite that long, but for a long time. Uh, some of you are, are relatively new and you've gone to a, we just had a, we just finished a, a members class not too long ago. Um, so this is really fresh in your, your mind. Some of you are not members and you're regular attendees and you're not sure what you want to do as far as membership and maybe you're hesitant about it. You're not sure why it's important. So hopefully this is helpful for all of us. And if you're in none of those categories, we're going to be looking at at biblical beliefs and practices, so it really applies to all of us, either way. Uh, but I want us to, to start this series uh, talking about the gospel, the gospel, uh, which is really where we should start, because the church is built on the gospel. It's built on this message. When I say the church, I mean the church, capital C, universal, all over the world. We see right from the beginning, Christ's death and resurrection, and he entrusts it to his apostles. This is the message there to proclaim. But every local church, including ours right here, um, is founded on this message. In fact, uh, going back 254 years, a guy named Hezekiah Smith was a, a traveling evangelist, a uh, reformed Baptist guy um, who loved to preach the gospel. And he got a group of believers right here in Haverhill and said, let's start a church on January 1st, 1765, based on that very message. The, the gospel is our message as a local church. So we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 1 through 11. 1 Corinthians 15 1 through 11 and uh, I love this passage because I think it's so clear when it comes to what the gospel actually is and what we're supposed to do with it. Um, it'll be on the screen or you can open a Bible if you'd like. There should be one in the pew in front of you. Uh, but here we are 1 Corinthians 15. Now I would remind you brothers of the gospel. I preach to you which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. If you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins, in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, to one, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am." And his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. This always is an outline in your bulletin to see where we're going, but I think it makes sense to start off our new members class, and therefore our new members sort of series here, on this message. This is the beginning of where the church 
start. So first, FBC, as I said, is an outline in your bulletin. You can see where we're going with the first point, verses 1 through 4. FBC, stand on the gospel of Christ. Stand on the gospel of Christ. He reminds the church in Corinth, this is Paul the Apostle, of what the gospel is. He says, first of all, this is the message you received. So Paul didn't create it. It was given to him. He passed it on to you in his preaching. This is the message which you stand on. You've taken your stand upon this message. This is the message by which you are saved. Uh, saved from God's judgment, from sin, saved for the purpose of living to the glory of God. He says, this is the message you hold fast to. We want you to continue on it. In other words, friends, if he's saying, when it comes to the Christian faith, when it comes to what we believe and what we practice, and we're going to look at all different things in this series, Lord willing, Lord's Supper, baptism, uh, all these different subjects. What do we do as a church together? Uh, but when it comes to all these different beliefs and all of these different practices, the bullseye, the center of what we're all about is this message. As if that wasn't enough to sort of ext- extend how important this is. He says, if you don't believe, if you don't hold fast to this, then you've believed in vain. The entire message of the Christian faith is null and void if you get this wrong. He said, I deliver to you as of first importance, okay? So you have, you have unimportant things, and then you have important things. And then you take that category of important things, and you got secondary and third important things. This is of first importance, okay? This is the primary message of the Christian faith, the gospel. And hopefully at this point, you're asking the question, well, what is the gospel, Rick? Uh, we use that term, can we define it? It's exactly what he does next. Look what he says in verse 3. Uh, The gospel is, Christ died for our sins. That's the bullseye. That he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. Twice in this passage he says, this is according to the scriptures. God's word is the authority that he's basing this upon. He's basing it on the Bible. (laughs) You know, we, we as Christians, we believe the Bible is the authority. Why do we believe that? A lot of different reasons. Here's the main reason I like to believe it. I believe it. Because Jesus did. This was his book. He believed it was the authoritative word of God. And I go with him on this one. It's important, friends. How important then is it that we get this right as a church? Uh, I've told this story before, but this was a big deal for me in seminary. Uh, I was going to, to seminary. I'm trying to figure out, you know, what, what is the gospel? I had a teacher that was kind of extending the boundaries of what the gospel is, saying, well, maybe it's this and that, whatever. And I, I remember really wrestling with this. It was kind of a, a dark night of the soul. I'm trying to understand, well, what, what is the heart of my faith? And so I decided to do something. I decided to look up every occurrence of the Greek word for gospel, euangelion, um, in the New Testament. Um, that's not that big of a deal. It's probably like 50-something occurrences, not that, not much. Look up each one, look up the context, and figure out what exactly is the gospel. And I remember looking up multiple passages that don't actually define it. They don't tell you what it is. They just assume it. This is the gospel we've been tr- entrusted with. This is the gospel we proclaim. Well, what is it? Tell me what it is until finally, like water to my soul, I came to 1 Corinthians 15. The gospel is this. That Christ died for our sins. That he was buried and that he rose from the dead in victory over the grave. The gospel literally means good news. 
It's the best news you could ever hear. (laughs) The best news any one of us can ever hear. Now, friends, that Christ died as a substitute on the cross. He took my place. He took your place if your faith is in Jesus. That he was buried. And remember, we mentioned that on Easter. We talked about a little bit about Joseph of Arimathea and the burial of Jesus. Why is that important? A number of different reasons. But one is he was really dead. <laughs> this was not a show. This was not some sort of magic trick. He was really and truly dead. Dead as you and I will one day be if the Lord should tarry. And that he rose from the dead. That he conquered the grave. And that all those then who are united to him will one day conquer the grave as well. Friends, we we don't make this message true, whether we believe it or not. It is true. It's God's message and God's work. It's not merely a religion or a philosophy or some idea that we have come up with over history. This is God's message and what God has done for us through His Son, Jesus. And the question is, well, what do we do with it then? (laughs) What do we do with it? Here's our application on this first point here. One, we believe in it. That's what it says. This is a message that we believe in. And that word believe, we can kind of get mixed up with, I think, in the English language. Because you believe in anything in your head. That's not the idea. To believe is to put your trust in something. It's to put your faith in something. Um, I believe that an airplane works by getting into the airplane and flying in it from one place to another, right? Um, uh, my dad's an airline mechanic. He's just about ready to retire, which he's looking forward to. Um, I've flown in airplanes that he has worked on in the night before. That's trust, right? <laughs> That's trust. Uh, but I believe that his work is sufficient and that the work that he puts in will save us in the air at how many thousand feet? When we say we believe in the gospel, we're not saying this is a great philosophy to live by and I understand it in my head. We're saying I have put my trust in this message. I have put my life on the line that I believe it. What else do we, we, we stand on it. We, we hold fast to it. He's not talking here about a, a one-time prayer. Uh, you know, we do altar calls here. Um, and by that, we, we invite people up to begin a relationship with God. But the one-time prayer isn't what saves you. It's your trust in God and His grace in the gospel, an ongoing trust in God. This is where we stand. This is where we hold fast. We recognize that this message is sufficient, uh, that it's enough. We, we're not trusting in the gospel and something else, not a, a, tr- a ceremony, some good deeds, our ability to fight off sin, No, this and this alone is sufficient for God to save us. And what else? We remind one another of it. That's what he says here. I want to remind you, brothers and sisters in the church in Corinth. And I'd say the same for us here. I want to remind you, brothers and sisters here in a church in Haverhill, of this gospel. It's been said that that one generation believes this. That the next generation assumes this. And then the third generation forgets it. (laughs) We want to be reminded again and again of this gospel. 5 through 9, FBC, know the power of the gospel. Know the power of the gospel. Look what he says in verses 5 through 9. Paul makes a point to go into detail about all of the appearances of Jesus. He appeared to Cephas. Cephas is another name for Peter. Um, He appears to the twelve. That became sort of a title, the twelve, even though there's only eleven. Because at this point, Judas has gone to hang himself. Um, Unless he's including Matthias, who was chosen there as well. He appeared to more than 500 brothers. 
That's important uh, because that is a group. He says most of them are still alive. In other words, you can go talk to them about this appearance. They're still walking around. Not today. I mean, at the time that he wrote this letter to the Corinthians. Uh, this is not some hallucination that some people saw this vision of Jesus. He's saying 500 people all saw him at once. They can all attest to it, those who are still alive at his time. Here's to James. Uh, that's the brother of Jesus, son of Mary. So in a sense, the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, in his life, didn't seem to be a believer. Uh, it may be that there was an appearance of Jesus after the resurrection to James, which brought him to faith. Uh, that's not recorded in the Bible other than what we read right here. Then again to all the apostles. And then Paul says, last of all, to me, he's the author of this letter, and he describes it as to one untimely born. In other words, this was a little different. This was after Jesus was ascended. Uh, this was in a vision. Uh, I'm sort of separated from the rest of the appearances. And he says, why? Because I'm the least. I'm unworthy. And he describes why. Because I persecuted the church before he became a Christian. Paul spent his time as a Pharisee seeking to destroy the Christian faith and wipe it off of the planet at its beginning seminal stages. But why, why does he go into such detail about these appearances? One, of course, it verifies the gospel. right? It verifies the resurrection. If he appeared to so many people, it was certain that he was raised. You can't say it was just sort of a one or two people wanted it to be so and it happened. There's plenty of witnesses at his time. Also strengthens the authority of the Bible, of the New Testament. Who did he appear to? His apostles. Why do his apostles? Because they're the ones who are going to carry on his message. They're the ones who wrote the New Testament. But I think he wants to, the main reason he's writing in this context in 1 Corinthians is to show his place among the apostles. He is unworthy, yes, but he saw Jesus like the other apostles. And his writing is coming under the inspiration of the Spirit. Which when you think about it is amazing because Paul was a terrorist. Actually, that's the closest parallel we could take from today. He's one who murdered, arrested, and terrorized Christians. Like those who recently did so in Sri Lanka. And yet here he's saying, not only has God rescued and saved me, but here he's called me now to proclaim and remind you of this message. Friends, the gospel has the power to save anyone. Anyone. Uh, no one is too far from God that God can't find them. <laughs> no, no one is too deep in their sin that they cannot be pulled up. No one is too high and mighty in their own self-righteousness that the gospel cannot reveal to them their sin and show them their need of a savior. No one is so lost that God cannot find them. You were saved by the gospel. I was saved by this gospel, this message, not because we're so good, not because we're so valuable, not because we're so smart, but because God in his grace can save anyone. Which kind of answers a lot of objections you hear to the Christian faith. Sometimes people will say, Pastor Rick, you don't understand. My sin, if you knew the things I did, if you knew how bad I really was, then you would know that God could not save me. And I would say, there's no sin that will separate us from God in which Christ's death is not sufficient for. And if God is for us, he who did not spare his own son, and who will bring a charge against God's elect, God's people? Or someone says, you know, God doesn't really love us. 
Look at the suffering and the difficulty and the hardships we face in life. Yes, he does. Look at the cross and the resurrection. John 3, 16, for God so loved, loved the world that he did what? He gave his one and only son. If you want a display of the love of God, look to the cross of Christ. And friends, this always leads to transformation. When we come to believe in this gospel, when we come to see Christ as redeemer and savior, it always changes us. It never leaves us in our sin. It always empowers us to love, which is where he goes next. Look at verses 10 and 11. He says here, FBC, work hard to spread the gospel. (laughs) Work hard then to spread this gospel. Paul describes further the gospel's effect on his own life. He says, it is by the grace of God that I am what I am. What is grace? Grace is unmerited favor. Uh, It's when God shows us love and favor and blessing, and we still don't deserve it. That's what grace is. And it's God's work in us. It says, he says, it's by his grace that I am what I am. And I'm going to make sure that this grace is not in vain. Not in vain. In other words, it's not wasted on me. It's not useless. It's not empty. I'm going to take this grace that saves me and transforms me and use it fully as an act of praise and as an act of thanksgiving to God. He says, I worked harder than any of them, which may seem a little boasting, a little bragging, doesn't it there? The them there almost certainly refers to the other apostles. I worked harder than any of them, all of them, than James, than Cephas, than the apostles. But he quickly follows it up with, not I, the grace of God in me. (laughs) He gets all the credit. I don't get the credit. The power came from God to spread this gospel. And Paul certainly did, was the one responsible for primarily for the spread of the gospel throughout the Roman Empire. And so he ends by saying, I, uh, or they, uh, we're on the same team, all the apostles. We preach and so you believe. And the gospel goes forward. Friends, we too should be working hard to spread this gospel. As I said, we, we've taken our stand on this gospel for 254 years. That's pretty good. <laughs> Maybe we're at halftime. I don't know. I don't know how long it'll be before the Lord returns. Friends, we, we have a, a blessing of being located in a great position right here in our city, right in the downtown, right next to City Hall, across from the acre, right in the center of, of so much that is happening here. And we want to be a church that says, we are here to tell you this good news. And our doors are open for you to come. First Baptist has always sought to be a city on a hill. Um, I, think, I think we're doing a decent job. I think we could do a lot better. <laughs> a lot better of reaching out to our city and telling people this is a place to come. Not only that you're welcome here, but you're welcomed to the throne of grace through Christ. This is, this is a message that's too good <laughs> to keep to ourselves. Just too good. It's too good. Friends, in the final day, if we have a message this good that saves us and rescues us, and we haven't shared it and preached it and proclaimed it, I think we'll, it'll set in with an incredible amount of regret. This message is too good. We want to share this. We want to talk to our neighbors about this good news. We want to preach it and proclaim it. Uh, how can someone preach unless they are sent as we just said we want to make sure this message is proclaimed in our city and throughout the ends of the earth and one way we do proclaim it is through baptisms like we saw this morning with our sister elba a statement that she follows jesus as lord and savior her life is is buried with him now and risen anew 
to live for him. One of the things we encourage all of our new members to do, so if you want some homework, uh, write your testimony. One to two pages, double space. Doesn't have to be that long. Uh, talk about who you were before Christ, how you came to know Jesus. Maybe you were a little kid, maybe you were older, maybe some huge traumatic event happened, maybe not. Maybe it was a, a gradual thing, maybe you can't pinpoint the day, that's fine. But how, how did things change in your life that you came to know him? And then describe a little bit about your life afterwards. The reason why we ask you to do this is one, uh, because we want to celebrate it together. So when, when you get baptized, we, we read it out because we want everyone to hear it. Uh, but number two, it's good for you and your own soul and your own heart to think through God's grace and what he's done in your life. And friends, let's go to the mission field. Uh, by God's grace, this church has always been a mission-oriented church. We helped support one of the first missionaries abroad, Adoniram Judson, when he became a Baptist. We began supporting him. Uh, we, we supported the first single woman ever to go to the mission field from the United States. Do you know that? Her name was Charlotte White. She was a member here at First Baptist Church. It was not allowed that single women go to the mission field. They didn't allow that. Uh, so she kind of snuck in. She went as a helper to another couple. Uh, and then sort of came and went along. And she opened the doors for other single women missionaries to go. And even today, of course, we set... We, Look, recognize we have missionaries all over the world whom we pray for and support, friends. And we want to love well and share this good news. So, friends, are we doing this? Are you spreading the gospel? Um, let me ask this question. Would our city be any different if FBC wasn't here? And if it wouldn't, then what are we doing? <laughs> but I think it would. What would change? Would our city miss a Jesus-centered community right here in the center of town that's sharing the good news and has its doors open and leads people to God? There's a whole separate sermon coming on evangelism, but I, 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 I just couldn't help but talk about it here because we're talking about the gospel and it's not something you can just, just receive. It's something you've got to share as well. But friends, we're called to speak up for Jesus, to be bold for him. I just encourage you to invite people to come too because there's something about Christian community as well which people see the gospel alive and at work with one another. Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit when you're talking to people where he's opening doors, where he's at work. Take advantage of that and speak up and invite and encourage people. And I'll just say, um, in this season, uh, I need to do better with you. So uh, I need to do better at sharing the gospel. I need to do better at inviting people. Uh, I, I want to make sure I'm doing it a couple times a week, a few times a week at least. So I just ask you to pray for me as well as your pastor that I would do a better job sharing the gospel and inviting people to come and to hear the good news. The gospel is our message as a local church. Businesses and organizations have a message. Drink Coca-Cola. Right? Uh, wear Nike. Use our product. Everybody's got a message. The church... The whole church, and our church as well, has always had the same message for 2,000 years. It's the message of the gospel that Christ died for our sins. That he was buried, that he rose on the third day. Friends, this is where we take our stand. This is the message we believe in. This is what we want to hold fast to. This is what we've received. And this is what we want to proclaim loudly and clearly to our world. Pray with me. Well, gracious God, we, we thank you so much for your presence with us by your spirit.
which is the promise of Scripture. Thank you for the way you have, you, as you always do, you take a service and you knit all of its pieces and parts together, even beyond what we know and understand. Thank you so much, Father, for what we got to celebrate this morning and the baptism of our sister in Christ, Elba Cologne. Continue to bless her, bless her wonderful family who's here as well. Just fill them with a sense of your presence and of your love. And be with us as a church, Lord, that this message, this gospel that we have been proclaiming for 200, over 250 years would continue to be the message in our hearts, on our minds, and out of our lips. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. And thank you for your presence in Jesus' name. Amen.